We're in a series called Faith Foundations as we've been going through the book of First Timothy. One of the things that is interesting about what the Apostle Paul will teach us about today is a picture about cross-training. Now, in our society, we know a lot about cross-training. That's been quite a, a big, uh, booming, I wouldn't even call it a fad anymore. That's just, that's lasted for decades at this point. I remember when you could buy shoes that weren't cross-training shoes, and now everything is about cross-training exercise and, and doing those kinds of things. And what the Apostle Paul wants to talk to us about, though, is not a physical cross-training, but a, of a spiritual one. And, and this section, as it was just read for us, you will notice that as Paul addresses Timothy, as Timothy Timothy is to proclaim these things to uh, the Christians where Timothy is at. He's going to talk about the training that Christians go through, the training that God puts us through as we grow as the people of God. You, you will notice in, in verse 6 of 1 Timothy 4, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with the irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You'll notice that the Apostle Paul tells Timothy that there is a regiment of true training. And he says, I want you to train in godliness. When you read godliness in the scriptures, think about the idea of a devotion to God. That's ultimately what that word is about, is that you are spending your time, your efforts, your energy in a devotion, a dedication toward God. And so he's saying, here is the training that needs to exist. Train yourself toward a devotion to God. And you will consider that as we've gone through this study, many times Paul has warned about an area of, if I may say, false training. He has talked about not getting yourself involved in things and in teachings that are not of value to your faith, that do not grow your soul and do not encourage you in the right direction. You might remember how it all began there back in chapter 1, where he said that our teaching is about coming from a love, from a pure heart, a good conscience, And a sincere faith that that would be the goal of teaching, the goal of instruction. That's what we are aiming toward, not going into things that cause endless speculations. Remember, verse four of chapter one was how they are going through just speculating upon speculating. And I think it is interesting how many times the Apostle Paul has brought up the concern about not wasting your time in areas that do not build your faith. I've mentioned some of those. Through our series, I can keep mentioning more and more of them as you see the Apostle Paul keep going back to those things. Where if you think about the spiritual realm of teaching, how often there can be such a desire to emphasize and study areas where God has not expressed much about what's going to happen. 
probably one of the biggest ones that happens in our society today, in the religious world today, in Christendom today, is all about the end times. Books upon books and arguments upon arguments about what happens when Christ returns and all that's going to go on in that you know that there's not a lot of information about that. (laughs) There's not a lot of information, and yet what we can do is spend so much time and so much effort into, well, how is that all going to play out and all the details as if God has said. In fact, I find it fascinating. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you might remember that the Christians there are asking about How is it possible that there is this resurrected body? And what is that going to be about? You know, it would have been an opportunity for Paul to write a huge discourse and treatise about, well, here's how it's all going to play out. When you die, this is going to happen. And you're going to be here. And this is what happens to your spirit. And then after that, when Christ comes, here's what's going to happen with that. And then here's where you're going to go. And here's where we're all going to be. And here's how it's all. And all he says is, It's going to be kind of like a seed. And you know how you plant a seed in the ground and what comes out of it doesn't look like a seed anymore? That's going to be your body. And then he goes, that's all you need to know. (laughs) That's it. We don't need endless speculations that go on and on and on about the details. And one of the things that I think is hard for us is when God doesn't give us the details, you know what that means? We don't need to know. Think about that with my kids. I tell them, the reason you don't have the details is because you don't need to know. <laughs> and God's got this all figured out, and yet there are so many times and so many teachings and so many arenas where people go into endless speculations. In fact, I find it interesting that in verse 7, the way the Apostle Paul describes these things are irreverent, silly myths. And I don't believe the intention is that There were actually myths going around that were irreverent and silly, but these kinds of false teachings and endless speculations of running after these rabbit trails in which there is no answer and these teachings that do not promote love from a good heart and a good conscience and sincere faith are irreverent, silly myths. They're a waste of time. They're not purposeful. They end up in arguments and controversies and quarreling. Rather than building faith, rather than driving us to godliness. And so as he pictures this idea of cross training, I want you to devote yourself to God and be careful that that doesn't lead you down these areas where God has not taught where God has not revealed where God has not given answers, things that do not encourage love from a sincere heart, good conscience and pure faith, these things to avoid. In fact, I love how he he puts this picture together that ultimately the idea of true spiritual cross-training means we're going to focus on things that are not empty teachings, but on truly what the Word of God says. In fact, end of verse 7, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Do you hear the Apostle Paul said, the most important thing that we can be doing in our lives is this spiritual training. 
He says, bodily training has some value. I wish he would have said no value. It has some value. (laughs) But a devotion to God, godliness, has value in every way. It is the most important thing that we can do. While other areas of life may have some value, spiritual training should be everything to us. It is the most important pursuit that we can go after. And it is the most important exercise that we need to be doing for our souls. I don't know if it still exists. It probably does. Remember a time back the real rage was P90X. (laughs) I looked at that and I said, that looks painful. I am not doing P90X. It was a really severe, hard regiment on the body. I think it was like a military kind of setup of how difficult it was. And I looked at that and I said, that has no value for me. That's going to kill me is what that's going to do. And I want you to think about what the Apostle Paul is doing. If we understand that physical training, exercise, has some value for the body, that we understand sitting still and doing absolutely nothing 24-7, just don't move for 24 hours, we understand that's going to go really bad. It has some value. But then imagine what that would be like if we didn't exercise our faith. Imagine how bad our spiritual lives would be if we don't have spiritual training. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get at. If you understand the value of some physical exertion, then you should really understand the value of spiritual exertion, of spiritual training. And it's important that we ask ourselves how much spiritual training we are engaging in. Imagine if the only movement and the only exercise your body ever got in one week, 168 hours, in one week, was only one hour of movement in a whole week, how good would your physical body be? You probably wouldn't even be alive right now. You know your body needs to move and exercise and do. Imagine just sedentary, stationary, zero movement, except one hour a week. We know our physical bodies would be a disaster. We know it. But do we do that with our spiritual lives? Where the sum total of our spiritual training, the sum total of our spiritual teaching, the sum total of our spiritual exercise for a whole week is right now. Your souls will not survive that. It cannot survive that. Just as much as your physical body can't, your spiritual body can't. And even if I said, well, what if my didn't physical body movements for three hours a week? <laughs> he said, that's still not enough. It needs to be every day. Every day your body needs to move. Every, body, every day your body needs to function. Every day your body needs to be doing and, and, and doing that kind of regiment. 
And notice how Paul's making the connection. Something that we understand is so obvious about our physical lives. Consider it with our spirits. Consider it with our souls. Consider the importance of having a spiritual exercise and a spiritual training. And I love verse 8 and verse 9. Because what I do is when I look at physical training, I say, well, that's not going to be worth it. I'm not going to do P90X. It's going to be awful. I'm going to feel miserable. I don't want to do that. And so Paul knows, I need to convince you of why cross training, this spiritual training is so important. The rest of verse nine, verse 8. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. It's the most important training you can do in your life. And it's worth the effort. Engaging your souls. Strengthening your faith. Training your souls toward godliness. Devoting yourself to God is the most important thing that you can do in this life. And it has value to you in every aspect of your life. Notice he says in verse 8, it's not only for the life to come. Sometimes we talk about godliness in our spiritual journey with God as, you know, well, the value is only in heaven. It's, it's in eternity. It's out there in the future. But Carefully look at verse 8. He says, yes, it's in the life to come, but he also says, right now. It'll do good for your life now. It is value to you in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And then he underlines it in verse 9. What I just said, this saying is trustworthy. And deserving of full acceptance. The most important thing you can do is spiritual cross training. The most important thing you can do in this life is devote yourself to God. And it will impact your life now. And it will most certainly give hope and impact your life in the age to come. And so I think then the message is very important to us is that the best thing we can do is set our hope on God. Verse 10, for to this end we toil and strive. Notice that imagery of exercise coming out. We are working and striving. For what? Because we have our hope set. On the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. This is the most important thing in life, and that is where we set our hope. And friends, that changes everything. I'd love to take 30 more minutes of your time and and do a whole side sermon of when you set your hope on the living God, and not this world, Not this life, not these bodies, not this world, and not our wealth and possessions and our job. But we set our hope truly on the living God that will change your life dramatically.
He just kind of assumes it for you here. We strive and toil because we've set our hope on the living God. That is the most important exercise, the most important training, the most important thing we can do in this life. It is worth our effort. It is worth our time. It is the very thing we need to be able to survive getting through the difficulties of this life and ultimately maintain the hope that we have in God. And so we need to see the value. We need to see its importance. And I hope that as we are halfway through this idea of cross-training, that you would just, if nothing else, keep in mind the importance of your spiritual walk with God and growing your faith and devoting yourself to godliness is more important than all the physical exercise you could possibly do. And Paul says, yes, your physical bodies will need that. There's some value there. But please don't neglect. Please don't neglect the critical need for training your souls. And developing your faith. The rest of the chapter, I think, is fascinating because what he's going to do is give us four areas now of what this cross-training will look like. Four areas of where we practice this devotion to God. Okay, Paul, we need to have a spiritual training, this cross-training of the soul toward Jesus. What does that look like? And these next few verses describe that. Because here's what he wants Timothy to tell the Christians. Verse 11, command and teach these things. Verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I really find it interesting that Paul tells Timothy... Do not let anyone despise your youth. Because the curiosity of that is, notice that Paul didn't write it and say, Hey, all you Christians, don't despise the youth of Timothy. (laughs) Everybody out there, Timothy is a good guy. He's a good Christian. Don't look down on him because he's so young. He doesn't do that. He tells Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. Well, how are you going to do that? By arguing with them and telling them, hey, don't despise my youth. I know I'm young, but I'm doing okay. No, he tells them how. Live your life as an example. Live your life as an example. Set an example in your words. Set an example in how you live. Set an example in love. Set an example in your faith. And set an example in your purity. There's the first picture of cross-training. Is set an example across the board. In your words, in your lifestyle, showing love, showing faith, showing purity. And so this means that we look at our lives in a very unique way. That each of us would look at our lives in a way where we see that we are trying to set a spiritual example 
for others. Live your life, Timothy, in a way so that when people look at you, they see godliness, they see a devotion to God in your words, in your actions, in your faith, in your love, and in your purity. I want you to think about how much of a game changer that would be for life. Imagine setting this example for everybody in your life and consider what a powerful tool it would be. Let's just start small. Let's just start in our families. Imagine what a powerful cross-training spiritual discipline it would be if how we lived our lives in our home was always setting an example in our words, in our actions, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity. Just imagine that in your family. You live your life as an example of love, faith, purity through words and through actions. That's some pretty serious training, isn't it? That's some work. That's some spiritual exercise right there. Just imagine practicing that on your home. How much that would change things. What that life would look like. What that home would look like. He speaks of it here that he wants this to be practiced and set to the believers. And so let's broaden out beyond the home to each other. That what we do is that we are living our lives and our goal as we do this cross training is that we are setting examples for each other in our words, in our actions, showing purity, love, and faith. That's what he tells Timothy to do. Practice that to each other. Set an example. Can we do another side 30 minute sermon? No, no, we won't. But Think about how helpful it is to have other Christians setting that kind of example before your eyes. Think about how wonderful it is to have examples before you of people who are displaying that kind of faith, displaying that kind of love, displaying that kind of purity in how they talk to you and how they live their lives. That's powerful. That's helpful. I can't tell you how much. He's not here so I can say it. Dan Schmidt has been one of the greatest examples of this to me in my life. I've been around him like 25 years now. (laughs) Most influential person in my life. We need those kinds of examples. Those kinds of models. Faith, love, purity. That's Here, Paul to Timothy. Be that for each other. You be that example. You be that for somebody else. Think about how you can help people in this room when you set that example for whatever you're going through in your life. No matter how hard it is, no matter the circumstances, the pain, the suffering, the good times, how you handle your prosperity or your adversity sets a model to others. That's what Paul taught Timothy. And we can broaden that out. We can make a big impact in the world. 
when we can set an example through our words and through our actions of love, faith, and purity to those on the outside. This is a very important image of cross-training. That we would live our lives in such a way that we can be an example to them. That's what we want to be. We don't want to be living lives. We come to the end of our life and say, don't be like me. You don't want that life. You want the life you can say, this is the road I took and here is the value. And that just like Paul said, the value in this life and the life to come. Set that example. Make that your practice. That's the first picture he gives here to Timothy. Verse 13, the second picture for cross training. Verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Pretty obvious, right? Critical part of cross training devote yourself to the Word of God. Devote yourself to the Word of God. But I want you to notice. That Paul's instruction to Timothy is not simply personal reading of the Scripture. That's not what he mentions. And I will advise and stand on that is a critically important thing for you to do. Every day in your life, in the Word of God, devoted to God, absolutely. But notice he describes this as the public reading of the Scriptures. The reason why some translations add the word public, if yours doesn't say that, is because when you read in ancient Near Eastern times, nobody read like we do. <laughs> nobody reads in ancient the world like we do, like this. It's not how they read. They always read aloud. Always. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch? Philip's running by. He hears the eunuch reading. How do you hear him reading? Because they read differently than we do. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So thus, the public reading of the Scriptures, the public teaching, devote yourself to that. Devote yourself to the teaching that is going on. Devote yourself to the preaching and the exhortation that there is a public nature of cross-training. I think this is hard for our society And now the pandemic has only exponentially pushed this. But we already, before March, we were very insular. We stay to ourselves. We take care of ourselves. Our friends are all digital. We don't need anybody in the world. We just kind of were on our own little bubble. And that's not the world that God spoke of when He spoke of Christians. Christianity was never something you practice only in your living room all by yourself. It's never the view. It was always a joint participation. It was always a gathering of Christians. It was always a public reading of scriptures. Always a public teaching. Go through the book of Acts. And you never see Christians all by themselves. You know, studying by themselves. It is always a together act. And unfortunately with all the difficulties that are going on. It's going to be even harder to break out of this culture of individualism I don't need anybody and nobody needs me and I can just 
do my walk with God all by myself. That's not what God says. God has never spoken of our walk with God as being something as individual or in isolation. There's always a together aspect. A together aspect of teaching, a together aspect of encouraging, a together aspect of pushing each other along. We need that. It is critical for our faith that we would have that. And it means we're going to resist Resist the culture that tells us just to go it alone. We need each other. Worship is an activity that is done together and that has always pictured in the book of Acts. Lord willing, toward the end of this year, I want to do some of the teachings out of the book of Acts. And I hope to show some of those pictures of what a collective they were, how joined and knit together they were, that they were not merely individuals who just kind of saw each other on occasion, but were truly participating together. That's what he's picturing here. Devote yourself to the scriptures, but to the public reading of the scriptures, the public teaching of the scriptures, the public exhortation of the scriptures. Devote yourself to those things because we grow together in that. We've discussed this many times, usually after a Bible class or after a lesson. But the comments you make and the teachings that you give teach me so much. And I hope I'm doing the same thing back to you, that our sharing of the Word of God and sharing our faith is so much of where our growth happens, where we see things that others didn't see. And, and understand things and learn things that others saw that we didn't see. It's this wonderful tandem that happens where you saw something like, I had no idea. That makes perfect sense to me now. Now I understand. This is what God wants in that coming together and growing to the faith. Verse 14, the third picture of cross training. Verse 14. Paul's instruction to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Very interesting picture that's given here because you get a little bit of a window into Timothy's special situation that apparently a prophecy had been made about the task or the work that he was going to do and the elders that have laid their hands on him and sent him away for that very task. You see those kinds of things in the book of Acts of setting them off to the work that is going to happen. And Paul is reminding Timothy and saying, you have been given a gift and you know what that work is through the prophecy that was given and the elders have appointed you to that task. Do not neglect that work. Don't neglect that arena. And I think it is such an important picture to think about in terms of application. That while we may not be granted these miraculous spiritual gifts like we see in the first century, that all of us have a work that we can do for God. All of us have a variety of abilities and a variety of areas where we can contribute in the kingdom of God. It's it's sad to see how almost one-dimensional Sometimes Christianity has become, especially kind of in the broader world, 
where it's like all about the preacher, like he's really important or something. He's not. I'm not. (laughs) Everybody has a role. Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a talent and ability. And that's what you see Paul writing to the Christians in Rome as well as in Corinth and saying, use the gifts that you have. And we need the diversity of those gifts. As we studied back in chapter 3, and I did a whole lesson back there, we need people to be shepherds. Remember that lesson? a few weeks ago. And we need people to be servants. Serve one another. We need that. But broaden out even more. We need people who are encouragers. We need people who are generous. We need people who show mercy. We need people who teach. People who lead. People who reach out. There are so many areas and so many works. And no single person can do all of those things. One person can't be the shepherd and the servant and the teacher and be generous and show mercy and the encourager and reach out. Not only do our ability sets not fit all of that, but there's not enough time in the day to do all of that. And so here is our encouragement is we need people preparing themselves for every area in the kingdom of God. This is such an important picture that is given to us of where you see the Apostle Paul talking about every part doing its share, like in Ephesians 4. That all of us have a role to play. There is no one here who is insignificant, and every task, every work, every effort is of the utmost importance. In fact, can I say even this? The most invisible gifts are some of the most important. And what I mean by that is the works that people do that nobody sees are often the most critical. The things that you do that no one will ever see, that no one will ever pat you on the back, that will ever say to you, oh, that was really great, no one will ever see, can be the most important thing you can do. That encouraging that mercy that you displayed, that serving that you did, the reaching out that you did. No one will ever know. Nobody gets up and shoots fireworks about it. Your name doesn't go in the bulletin. You know, you don't get any credit for it. Those gifts are the most important gifts there are. The most important. Those works being done. And so Paul tells Timothy... You have an area of work that you should not neglect. And I think it's important that we understand cross-training says we understand there's an area that we can work. There is something that all of us can do. There is an area of your ability and an area for your time and an area for your efforts and the way you're wired in your personality to be able to do what God has called you to do. I think for far too long we've tried to make people all be the same thing. Everybody go out and knock on doors and be that extrovert. (laughs) 
I'm not that extrovert. I know you probably think I am. I'm so not. (laughs) I'm scared up here every week. (laughs) We all have different abilities. What can you do in the kingdom of God? That's part of cross training. What will I devote myself to? To the work of God. Finally, verses 15 and 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Notice what he says here. Most important aspect, perhaps, of cross-training. Don't stop watching out for your own soul. Watch out. Watch your life closely. And I want you to think about how obvious this is. When he says in verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in these things. It's of course about practice. If we're going to talk about training... Training is all about practice. Nobody is good at anything the first time they do it. And nobody is good at something if they hardly do it. I haven't golfed in like three or four years. I'm going to be terrible at it. I'm going to be awful at it. It's, I mean, people are going to have to duck. It's going to be bad the next time I get out there. It requires practice. You must practice these things, Paul says to Timothy. Immerse yourself in it, constantly be in it. The practice of godliness and devoting yourself to God, it can't be occasional. It won't go very well. And sometimes as we were talking there back in verse 14 about our abilities and our gifts and what we can do, what sometimes can happen is we'll say, well, I tried that once and it didn't go very well. And can I just say this? Of course it didn't go very well. (laughs) What goes well the first time you try it? Practice these things. Immerse yourself in these things. Practice upon practice upon practice. This is so important for us to think about. When he talks about watching our lives, watch our speech. Watch our conduct. Watch our love and faith and purity. He just said, set an example. You think you're going to be good at that on the first day? You think you're going to knock that out of the park today? You're like, okay, that's a great lesson, right? So I'm going to set an example. You're going to be great today, right? That's going to take practice. It's not going to be flawless today. Probably won't ever be flawless, will it? Let's be honest. No. But we can sure practice at it. We can practice again and again and again. And how we use our words. And how we live our lives. So that's full of faith. Full of purity. Full of love. In fact, notice verse 16. Persist in this. Persist in it. Don't stop. Exercise has a tendency to do that, right? Okay, I'm good. I'm stopping now. Don't stop. Don't stop training. Don't stop practicing. And I want you to see the reason why. 
persist in this, verse 16, for by doing so you will save both yourself. Let's, let's stop there. Watch your life, practice these things, dedicate yourself to this cross training because you will save yourself. This is for your spiritual good. This is for your own spiritual rescue so that you don't stray from the faith. And so practice these things. Stay devoted to these things. Persist in them. Don't give up. Don't let it be an hour a week or three hours a week. Every day persist and practice and devote more and more. And here's Paul's great warning and really encouragement though. You will save yourself if you persist in these things. If you give your life to this. Hope is there. But did you catch the rest? Both yourself and the hearers. You're not just helping yourself. You're helping everybody else. Persist and devote yourself to these things. And you're helping your family. Persist and devote yourself to these things and you're helping your friends. Persist, devote yourself, teach these things. You're helping each other in this room. Persist, practice, devote yourself to these things, teach these things. You're going to help people in the world. This is the essence of the cross training that Paul is displaying here to Timothy. Let's end it in just a reminder as we pull all of this together. Cross-training avoids wasting time in the useless teachings. It stays focused, laser-focused on the Word of God. Think about setting an example. As you go through your day today, what example are you setting? Think about those three spheres. Family, church, and the world. What example are you setting today? What example will you set tomorrow? Devote yourself to the Word of God. Devote yourself personally to it. Devote yourself to the public teaching. Coming together, Bible studies, teaching one another. Devote yourself to those things. Don't neglect the gifts you have. Everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. Everybody has an important role to play. And we need the diversity of those roles. We need everybody finding their place and doing their part. Finally, practice, practice, practice. (laughs) That's what exercise is all about. And Paul says, Put that in the spiritual arena. We need more and more practice. One of the things that I love about our coming together is you want to know where the best place to practice is? Right here. Because we're forgiving of one another when we mess up. We don't practice it right. We don't do it very well. We overlook it. We forgive one another and say, all right, we're going to do better next time. This is the best little training ground 
right here. This is your practice arena for when you go home and when you go out into the world. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for a greater zeal and strength to have this kind of spiritual discipline and spiritual training in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of our need to devote ourselves to you and that we would see the wide-ranging benefits of doing so. Lord, impress upon our hearts our need to give our hearts completely to you and to set our hope fully upon you. Lord, forgive us for when we have neglected this most important area of life. Forgive us for when we have paid far more attention to the things of this world and that we haven't set our hope on you. And Lord, we pray that we would be far better examples in life, that we would be much better reflections of you in the world. Help us to set examples to everyone in our sphere of contact, setting examples in our words and in our behavior, in faith, in love, and in purity. Lord, encourage our souls to use the abilities that we have to serve you more in the days ahead than we have in the past. Give us the courage and the boldness that we need. Lord, we so often, we bury our talents and abilities out of fear. Erase those fears. Give us the courage because we know that you are with us. and That it's not about us, it's about you. So give us that hope, give us that strength. And Lord, press us so that we will practice more and more to be the servants of you that you desire us to be. Forgive us for our failures. Lord, strengthen us to do better today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song now, and we're going to invite you, if you have opportunity and need, to come to Jesus this very morning. The opportunity is available to turn away from your sins, confessing Jesus to be the Son of God, who died for you, so that you could have hope in the world to come and see the value of godliness in your life today as well as in eternity. We help you in any way. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?